0: Hi guys, welcome to episode 23 of Fast Charge. As you might notice as we proceed into this week's show, things are a little bit different, mainly because everyone's either on holiday or off sick. And don't worry, it's nothing sinister. I just didn't get the memo. So I'm here and I'm joined this week by just an So it's just the two of us. We're going to talk through uh, some interesting stories from this week and kind of talk about how they fit into the greater mobile landscape. So this week we are going to talk about the new Motorola Moto G 5G+. Plus. We are going to talk about some new Samsung Galaxy Note 20 leaks and a little bit more. And we are going to talk about Huawei's next foldable. Okay, so let's start with the Moto G 5G Plus. Now the name is a bit of a mouthful, but as you might be able to tell, Uh, The company has brought out yet another Moto G device this year, and they've already had, I think, at least three or four since January, maybe more than that, actually, now I'm thinking about it out loud. Um, And yes, as the name implies, this is the company's first 5G Moto G device, and actually one of the first 5G phones, period. The only phones we've had so far have been their flagships, their return to flagships with the Moto Edge and Moto Edge Plus, depending on which markets you're picking them up in now i'll I'll jump through the specs in a little bit but just out the gate and iron uh you've used some of the moto g devices this year right already Mm -hmm. i believe you've reviewed some uh Uh, what do you think about having this device a 5g device in the moto g family
1: i think it's really encouraging it seemed to me like it's kind of the logical next step um Mm. because moto to me like the moto g line has always been about really good value for money so I think I had way back the Moto G three in 2015. Solid back fine. then there was kind of yeah back then, there was kind of only one phone, so I knew what I was getting. But since the lineup has really expanded and grown, there's obviously clearly a desire for an affordable 5G phone. And I think from the pr- the pricing, it would be among one of the cheapest 5G phones you can buy. So it'll be really interesting to see if like, that technology is enough to kind of convince people to buy where some of the other specs are not quite on flagship level. So it would be interesting to see whether there's still 5G interest at this early stage at that lower price point, I guess.
0: Yeah, one of the things that really surprised me, actually, considering what the phone is bringing to the table, I'd say it's probably the most powerful Moto G-branded device, period. Yeah. Um, and that's principally because the processor needs to be of a certain like minimum spec to be obviously a 5G capable chip, so it's got the Qualcomm Snapdragon 765, not the 5 uh, 765G, but 765 is a, a great chip. Uh, we're seeing it in a lot of devices, most of which though are more expensive. I'm thinking devices like the uh, Oppo Find X2 Neo um, mm-hmm. and the LG Velvet, for example, which are kind of like 400, 500, 600. Um, whereas the the base spec Moto G 5G Plus. God, the name is a mess, um, <laughs> is is I believe it's under £300 for the base 4 gigabyte of RAM, 64 gig storage model, which I think is incredibly uh, competitive. Um, yeah. I, I, I was trying to look when I was writing up the piece about it, which is on the site right now, and you can read that if you head to Tech Advisor. Um, the nearest thing that we can get price-wise with a 765 is the redmi k30 which i'm pretty sure you can only get on like a great or import in this country so yeah with that with that in mind i think motorola might be onto something really solid here in terms of like democratizing 5g and bringing it down into yeah. a more affordable space um did you know about any of the other specs if not i'll, I'll run them off and see your reaction to them
1: no i didn't I, i've only had a really brief look but yeah that'd be
0: so, so they they've dabbled uh with this in the past but this is also i think the second the first moto g and maybe the second ever moto phone i can think of with a 21 by 9 aspect ratio
1: oh yeah i did see that so that's yeah. from the sony phones exactly read, yeah uh, so i reviewed the l4 and xperia 5 and it definitely right. it definitely takes a bit of getting used to but uh <laughs> and you got, it's definitely not a one-handed phone but then i guess not many phones are for one-handed use anymore but it's really interesting because I thought it was obviously that unique selling point for Sony. Mm. And the fact now that Motorola is thinking, okay, we'll give this a go. Because obviously it started off with, I think we moved from 16 by nine to 18 by nine. And then a few did 19, 19 and a half, 20. And it's almost like, Crept at up. what point is it going to stop? So Absolutely. it's obviously built for people who kind of want to watch widescreen films and content like that or gaming to take advantage of it. For um, sure. But I I still know so many people are kind of rocking older iPhones with still the 16 by 9 So it's whether there's kind of that desire to go to such a full, narrow phone, I guess.
0: I'm wondering whether this is actually going to become more and more prevalent uh, just these generally taller aspect ratios because of things like foldables, which we can get onto oh, in a yeah, bit yeah. as well, because they're also, those those clamshell foldables are also pushing taller aspect ratios. So like the Motorola Razor, the, the revived one for 2020, for example, is a, I think it's like 22 by nine. So it's even oh, taller. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so Motorola, yeah, I think maybe will be the first real contender to Sony in that market. They, they did one affordable uh, Motorola One device, I think, previously with a 21 by 9 screen. But I think it's interesting that we're seeing it again here and they're pushing the phone's media chops. The screen's also got 90 hertz refresh rate, which we oh, haven't yeah. really seen on anything under, other than their flagships. Uh, and it's got HDR10 support. Again, for a Moto G phone, This feels almost like too good mm. <laughs> based on my <laughs> perception. And, and um, I think that also is where the confusion comes because, you know, you were saying your Moto G3 was the there was only really one option yeah when you picked that mid-range motorola that was the option right it was the g3 um and now the moto g devices this year i think we've had about five or six phones as i said earlier uh, a couple last year as well from the g8 series um so yeah i think it's pretty convoluted especially when they also have the motorola one line yeah which supposedly sits above that but below the flagship but they i mean with a phone like this especially and the feature set it's very confusing
1: Absolutely. Did you did you hear anything on cameras because obviously that's such sort of a big area where like the real budget phones are getting so competitive. And Motorola is obviously not the last few like Motorola phones I've reviewed, the cameras are okay, but they're not quite they're never quite best in class. And with a phone Absolutely, like that yeah. competitively priced, people want a great camera. 5G's great, but obviously. It doesn't quite have its its kind of future-proofing the phone for the... but people want a great camera here and now. So was there
0: any yeah, specs I, for that? I, I should say this is millimeter way, not millimeter wave 5G, so it's kind of like ready for like the current incarnation of 5G, oh, okay. but it's not yeah, yeah. super future proof. But most phones right now are, are on the same boat, on the same level there. So there's not a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, in terms of the cameras, actually, that's a really good point. This thing is absolutely stacked with cameras. So mm-hmm. it's got four on the back. Um, like you know, most flagships do, um, or or companies like RealMe, other affordable brands. And then it's got a uh, dual front-facing punch hole hole punch camera, which we've not seen from Motorola, I think, at all. I mean, they've they've done single hole punches. This one, um, if you know the Realme X50 Pro, mm-hmm. uh, anyone watching, it's like that. So it's got um, on the front, it's got a 16 main and an 8 meg ultra wide, which is really nice. I think I think that's going to be really good for like the social vibe um, with what they're kind of pitching this phone as in terms of who they're aiming it at think people who are going to take selfies I think that is a good shout Um, and also interestingly I've not heard many phones doing this but both the front and the back main cameras so that's 16 meg on the front and the phone's main camera on the back which is a 48 megapixel sensor both use that pixel binning tech where you scrunch down a higher res image into a smaller res image to iron out things like noise and grain and, and improve low light performance so even though it's under 300 pounds I've got really high hopes for the photography chops Um, Mm -hmm. and, and also I should say, in addition to that, that main 48 Meg, um, I'm just going to check my cheat sheet so I don't mess up which is which, but the, there's a a depth sensor, which I believe is two megapixels. There is a, uh, eight megapixel ultra wide or action cam. So, um, I think there was the Moto G8 action or Motorola one action, excuse me, which allowed you to film 1080p video super wide in portrait. And I would assume by then branding it as Action Cam, this, the G5G Plus, will also be able to do that too. Um, hmm. And there's also a 5 megapixel macro. And uh, yeah, fine. So no telephoto, no no lossless zoom. Hmm. But uh, I've, yeah, yeah I've, I've six cameras. Quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've noticed quite a lot of phones prioritizing the ultra wide over the telephoto. Because yeah, I, know, I guess I I'm Google confused by them
0: being having an ultra-wide and a macro. I would say the ultra-wide yeah. could probably do the job of the macro, but maybe this <laughs> particular one can't for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I think it was only, was it, it was the Pixel 3 that was the exception that went for the, or was it the Pixel 4 that went for the telephoto over the ultra-wide? yeah think... with the
0: iphone 11 did the ultra wide and people like that was the right way to go if you get a two yeah. camera setup, and yeah. especially as the zoom wasn't anything good on the like big on the pixel it was technically 1.9 times zoom they said it was two times optical but like in testing it's 1.9 times zoom which is not really okay. worth having a whole secondary lens mm-hmm. we thought in our reviews like
1: so yeah, yeah it's interesting because <laughs> i think yeah people want the flexibility of it and and Your average person doesn't; it wants their phone to be their primary camera. So, I guess having that flexibility is good, but then you don't want to. You got to be careful for it not to be overkill. So, I think you wrote an article not long ago that Samsung might be working on with six rear cameras, which is like, (laughs) yes, I did. It's it's like where 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 do you draw the line on these cameras? That's obviously the way of the last few years. They've been that's been the feature they've been used to like stand out from the crowd. Yeah, but then. so many phones lead with the cameras these days, and just the last few I've reviewed um, where they've said, i oh, had this great camera quality in a budget phone, and then yeah, it's okay. But yeah. when, you, when you've seen better, it's just such a competitive market. So I think it's, it looks to me like is kind of trying to um, touch on a number of different aspects, like have a more complete phone as opposed to one aspect over the other
0: yeah i guess having more sensors is more impressive um especially at the price but actually that to me almost sets off alarm bells I'm, I'm a bit worried that they are giving you know a phone with all these cameras who can do all these different kind of shooting focal lengths and stuff which is great but if all of the camera if all the picture quality that comes out of all of these sensors is garbage then you're like well what was the point point? I'd almost rather they take that pixel approach and just yeah. double down on getting a couple of good like really good sensors for a phone at this price point rather than more but maybe that's the harder route maybe you know the software and the the uh, image algorithms that they have to develop in-house is the hard work and this is the easier win I'm not sure but that will know mm. once we I guess get the phone in for review mm. um, the phone's actually going to be on sale really soon 10th of July in most European markets and probably elsewhere as well um, which by the time you're watching this might have just happened um, we'll be airing this I think the day before that so yeah but uh, the Moto G 5G Plus. Uh, not sure what happened to the Moto G 5G. They talked about it in rumours beforehand, but it never materialised. Um, I think it looks like a solid, affordable 5G phone, and I'm looking forward to testing it out, or whoever of us gets it. Anyway, so uh, let's move on. So, as I said at the start of the show, Samsung got up to its old tricks again. It has actually finally, as of the day we record this, announced a uh, an official date for its next unpacked event, which is going to be August 5th. Now, that was already the rumoured date for the launch of the Note 20 line. And so as far as we can tell, that is gonna be the launch of the Note 20 line. The company hasn't explicitly said it, but if you see the promo materials, there's like, it looks like an S pen in the top of the frame and it's got this kind of copper bead of, I don't know, liquid. It's it's marketing, uh, <laughs> dripping down and splashing and then it says unpacked. So yeah, we have, I've been less than a month to wait for the Note 20 series to come. Um, and also in addition to that, Uh, We've also seen even more kind of leaked imagery of the phones ahead of their arrival. I think what we're seeing in the pictures, which hopefully you'll be able to see on screen, if not, you can check them out on the site right now, is actual spy shots or someone has actually managed to get hold of what looks like a dummy device, which gives you a hand feel and a kind of sense of the placement and, and maybe the finish, but let's not hold a breath explicitly on that point. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you've seen these images in Iron. Um, I, I have. Know. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's what, 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 what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's obvious. It was obvious, like like I like said earlier in the show, about Samsung really going big on the cameras again. Um, the 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 main my main thing is is how they're going to differ beyond the S Pen, and obviously that's the main differentiating factor. But how are they going to make it such a big upgrade? Um, or how is it gonna be different enough from the regular S20? Because I think previous generations, they've kind of gone for a more boxy square design. They've had the S Pen. They've maybe had a slightly bigger battery. They've had these clear things that make it worth what was usually spending a bit extra. But now there's so many similarities between them. And then it's almost inevitable that we see, oh, this feature's come to the S line, it's gonna come to the Note. and obviously, the S Pen will be the big feature again, um, yeah. but it's kind of hard to imagine what extra functionality they can give it to really transform and make it still fit like in the bottom of the device. So you think about you think about styluses that are uh, you know are capable of doing loads and loads of different things. They're often like an attachment for a laptop or something like you know, attach to an iPad Pro or something like that. There will be there will be that kind of core. Um, group of note fans that will still buy the phone but it's going to be it's really difficult for me to see what it, for, for the regular consumer what what difference will this offer compared to to the normal s
0: line i guess i guess the question to that point is is you know note users typically in my experience from those that i've met and just by generally the feel of the marketing and the launch events actually themselves if you look at previous note launches the way mm-hmm. samsung kind of plays it is It's all the power you could want, and obviously it's got that productivity push. So uh, I don't know whether they're they're trying to give it the same mass appeal as the S20 series. Um, I don't think that would be right to because of this feature set, because I think the stylus is a bit of a weird... uh, As iconic as it now is, the S Pen and the Note, like they are intrinsically linked stylus in 2020 is like a weird inclusion right like i'm not the (laughs) only one who thinks this. on a tablet i get it on the surface or an ipad fine but on a phone it's still pretty odd to me (laughs) despite it now being a pretty much established part of the of the industry with, with each year's note series um the t- to your point on on what new functionality they're going to bring to the table the only thing i've really seen with regards to the s pen actually from the same person um who posted those leaked photos of the ultra supposedly in it's kind of complete form in his hand um is that you get kind of more like an improved pointer function with the s pen so you can stand away from the note and gesture with the s pen and and point at stuff on the notes display like you would a laser pointer so i guess if you wanted to hook the phone up to like a projector or something yeah and use it in that regard it has that functionality which is cool um again, it makes perfect sense for what the S Pen is. It's not a feature that's going to turn heads or pull people away from their iPhones, mm. um, but it's interesting that they are still finding new things to do with the Pen, I guess. Uh, uh, that's impressive in its own right, even if it's not necessarily the reason to get excited about the Note 20 yeah.
1: series. I think, Yeah, I think that's the point. That, that is a good point in terms of that the S Pen doesn't have mainstream appeal, but it's not trying to. Yeah. Um, and that so I had the Note 8, and I, I enjoyed it for, like, the most basic of uses. So for, like, taking notes or you had, like, the screen-off memo, things like that, which I found genuinely useful. But then um, there is that core group of people who want, like, productivity on the go. Because so I think the Note, is, for me, is probably, like, the closest phone you get to a complete computer in your pocket. Like all, yeah, that's all a phones, fair, all phones fair statement. Kind of, all phones can do it to an extent. But then if you wanted to, obviously the new generation of foldables is kind of changing that slightly yeah i think um but i think the note has been that one that's kind of targeted maybe at business users or people who want to really get work done while they're on the go and it will still appeal one of the things i wasn't sure about is what they might do with screen size so I we're anticipating there to be a note 20 ultra aren't we
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and to whether when, when the Note line is typically, the screen size has been bigger than the S, slightly bigger than the S series, will they push it even further than 6.9 inches? Because then that really becomes difficult to handle, I think.
0: Uh, I've heard conflicted, like this is the, 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 the problem at right now. We, we've only seen like maybe like some phone cases and, and a few other bits and bobs that that kind of hint at what the screen design is going to be like one of the craziest ones was that the screen would wrap around the sides but then the volume buttons would poke through like punch hole volume rockers and power (laughs) keys wow um so i guess they could technically achieve a bigger screen without giving you more usable screen space but it just looks cooler because it wraps around the sides i don't think that's going to happen based on the cases that have leaked that's not going to happen Mm -hmm. so don't panic uh anyone who's who's super into their their current note design um, from what I've seen, the standard Note 20 will be have a flat display. The Note 20+, Plus, if that's what it's called, will have a curved display much like the Note 10+. Um, and the Note 20 Ultra will be much the same. I'm not sure whether there is a screen size difference there. Um, they're all in the high 6-something inches, mm-hmm. obviously. But then this is something, going back to our, our aspect ratio thing, which I think is going to run through the whole of this episode... Um, with those taller aspect ratios the width of the phone doesn't really get that cumbersome like you probably experienced that with the xperia l4 like whatever mm-hmm. the screen size was um i don't know if you have that in your head oh it's but, six,
1: uh, 6.2 inches so.
0: there you go so it's actually bigger than the xperia 10 mark ii which i've is been it? testing yeah. yeah which is six inches but one of the things i've noted is how thin that phone feels and unobtrusive mm-hmm. that phone feels um so Depending on how they handle that bigger screen size, if they extend the phone even further, which they might do, we don't actually know about aspect ratios at all yet, and I've not seen anything on that, Um, they could still make it a manageable device, even if it has a flipping massive screen <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah beyond beyond that you know there's there's nothing hugely standout that we've seen with regards to what the note is going to bring to the table um, beyond what you'd expect a slightly improved processor plenty of ram a nice big battery with great fast charging um, i guess one of the things is it's not we, we've talked about this in the past but just to remind people if you haven't been keeping track it's probably not going to have the s20 ultras super massive 100 times space zoom because that was a big you know marketing feature great to push on marketing but actually in real world usage was really not that functional it was a bit naff to be honest um so yeah 50 times zoom i think is the closest which is still a bit crazy but maybe more manageable and more usable for people which i think samsung fans who want the best will be happy with they should be happy with i hope they're happy with it considering
1: yeah i think I think that's a good point that the the 100 was a good marketing i mean to lead with yeah but uh how usable it is you saw how much the quality declined it was barely usable as a photo. <laughs> yeah. you could barely see any detail in it whatsoever don't so, believe
0: the adverts my god <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the uh 50 seems seems okay i guess the the only use case that i would see is maybe at concerts or live events when you're yeah. a long distance away and the artist is you know you can hardly see them um, it, but I guess that's if the you don't use those use options. cases
0: then the only use cases left are creepy and no one including yeah. like samsung would want to talk about the creepy nature of like having a ridiculous yeah. <laughs> zoom on the phones huawei certainly avoided the topic uh, as did oppo when they both produced phones which could do 50 and 60 times zoom respectively Um, But speaking of Huawei, I think we should jump on to our final section if that works for
1: you. Yeah, sounds good.
0: Okay, so the last section of this week's show is that Huawei is working on a new foldable. And not just that, it's a clamshell design a la the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip and to a lesser extent the Motorola Razr 2020. Um, So far, all we've seen is a patent from the uh, what's it the CNIPA the China National Intellectual Property Administration it's kind of like the FCC Um, it's basically a patent registration service um, tied to the government in China and it's been unearthed that Huawei has this foldable clamshell design and from the images which are pretty rudimentary uh, we can still get quite a lot out of these i think i think it still looks like an interesting device definitely worth talking about Um, and especially with obviously where huawei is right now and with its past in foldables because of course we first saw it kind of venture into the space in a real way with the mate x and the mate xs which only really took off in china partly because the mate xs by the time that phone hit market it was already under the effects of the US government's entity list, which of course means no Google Play apps, no Google Play services, no Play Store, none of that. Um, and that made it really tricky for Westerners to get behind it, um, and even tricky for us to even review. I think we, we have a hands-on on the site, but we chose not to review it just because it wasn't something I think we could really recommend to people um, either way. But only because of that, because otherwise it's a really interesting device. This looks like a more mainstream foldable form factor. I think it's a the right move. I think... The, the Mate XS and the X before it, and like the Galaxy Fold, they're great at selling the concept of a foldable, um, but these are maybe the phones that are more re- realistically people are going to want to buy.
1: Yeah, no definitely. So I've had a look at kind of, some of those kind of mock-ups and that kind of, mm. it makes a lot more sense as an everyday phone. Um, oh, it's obvious that because like Samsung was the first major brand to go with this kind of clamshell design in the Z Flip, yeah. there'll obviously be comparisons to that. Um, and I guess the other the big point would be on price, the fact that a lot of these phones are still well out of people's price ranges, even at kind of like that, you know, it's like once they're hitting four figures for a phone, a lot of people can't justify spending that sort of money. Um, interesting point is that I know that, I think Samsung, the Z Flip has a kind of a tiny little one-inch screen on the front, which kind of shows yeah. notifications, and there's like a viewfinder for selfies. And it will be interesting to see if Huawei would would do something similar or whether it would rely solely on you having to open the phone every time. You'd think there'd be some sort of indication of you getting a call or something like that.
0: Yeah, if you're looking at the renders on the back, so I don't speak or read Chinese, so I can't verify for certain. But it's thought that, so the camera, the top half of the phone, uh, or when you fold it in half the back of just one half of the phone, um, the camera model is most of that black bar down the side um, that you see in the diagrams in this patent but it's got a surround and then below that the black bar extends all the way down to the hinge point on the back of the phone and it's assumed that that extra bit of black space is actually where there will be a small display just like on the Galaxy Z Flip. Um, so that does make sense in that regard. I think it has worthwhile value in terms of being a viewfinder. Maybe that's the, the trickiest use case, but also obviously showing notifications, incoming calls, a clock, all that stuff. I think you need an external mm-hmm. display on any phone uh, with a with a clamshell design. Um, but yeah, especially this one. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. And then obviously above that, it looks like there's a pretty sizable space for a whole host of cameras. So I'm not expecting a single sensor phone here. Probably, you know, with Huawei, they love to throw sensors on their phones, just like a lot of the other Chinese manufacturers do. So we can expect at least two, maybe three or four even. Um, although I wouldn't expect a, a periscope zoom like on the P30 or P40, because that would be nuts inside a foldable. <laughs> um, the other thing that I did want to say to the point of the it resembling most closely the Galaxy Z Flip is that one of the the big differences I'm seeing here is that the phone does fold completely flat when you close it, which the Z Flip actually technically has more of a wedge profile. It's a little tiny gap. um, And it's something that Motorola achieved with the Razer by having the P.O.L.E.D. display physically tuck up inside the hinge mechanism, which actually allowed for uh, not as tight a radius on that bend point, which meant less pressure on the screen, less likely to get damaged over long-term usage. Um, it was a bit of an engineering like acrobatics to make it work, but it did work. So if Huawei is going this way, you'd think that they would be using a P.O.L.E.D. display as well to make that happen. Apparently, they're not. <laughs> somehow they're going to marry the UTG, the ultra-thin glass of the Galaxy Z Flip with a completely flat-folding design. I'm very curious to see how they actually manage to pull that off if they do.
1: Yeah, that would be a real real kind of feat of engineering. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think we have... Obviously, it's only a patent. We don't have any idea on kind of what screen size would be or things like that. Mm. Um, But... uh, yeah, just having a look at some of the renders there, it definitely looks... I think one of them shows like there's going to be some sort of notch, it looks like. So yeah it'd be to see if they stick with that.
0: I'm not sure whether that would be just a single front-facing camera or a dual front-facing camera. People have thought maybe it's biometrics because the Mate 30 Pro, for example, did a kind of iPhone-style IR emitter face unlock functionality, which they haven't really repeated since um, to the same level. Mm-hmm. So this could bring that tech back, which would be good as well. I assume this won't have an in-display fingerprint sensor. And it looks like if you can see there's a red dot on the side, which is supposedly the power key, that doesn't look like it's a fingerprint sensor either. So maybe they're going to rely mm. solely on face unlock with a notch as big as that, which you can see, especially in the kind of grayscale, just uh, line drawings um, there. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they actually bring to the
1: table with this. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, it's just hard. It's it's kind of hard to see. It's very it doesn't, it doesn't, early, it obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of hard. It's hard to visualize what, a, like, we 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 kind of clear on how, how the Huawei's design that um, it, it's great at designing hardware. Obviously, the big barrier, like we've said before, is not being not being able to have Google apps, particularly for the Western market. Mm. Um, but then it might work as kind of enthusiast device where they take it out. Um, off the cuff do you think they will
0: bring this to markets outside of china because like the mate xs and mate x didn't really take off outside of china so Mm. do you think because of the form factor and this more kind of and what assume we assume to be a more affordable price point as well do you think they'll bother bringing it outside of china just off the cuff your kind of gut instinct
1: uh i think they will eventually but it'd be one of those things we'd have to wait months for to see what the reception is to
0: it interesting so there (laughs) might be a delay or
1: something yeah, and then what I, what I really don't like is some of these companies where they they market it as if it's a new product like in the UK or Europe, European markets, and really it's been out for months in China or India. But I think that's a good way for them to test the waters and see if there's the interest there on a global scale. Absolutely,
0: yeah. Oh, no, it'll be interesting. Well, we don't actually have any more on as to when this phone might come to fruition. I guess the thing is that the patent was filed actually in mid-2019, but the kind of uh, publication date, like when it was able to be shown, wasn't it until July 7th this year. So uh, it might actually be much further along than we, we think. We're only just first getting a look at it now. So, yeah, keep your eyes peeled, I guess, uh, Huawei fans, if you're in the chat or listening. Um, because yeah maybe a new foldable is imminently on the way Um, guys i think that is it for this week thank you so much for tuning in whether you're watching in the live stream or listening or however you joined us uh really appreciate it and iron thank you for your time again hopefully next week we will be able to uh have a full team chatting about the latest mobile tech uh, stories and that's it don't forget to subscribe and like and uh yes thank you very much for watching see ya